what I really want to reinforce is the care that we provide. Mic check, mic check. What's going on? Welcome into the KZ Community Beat. I'm your host, Ross Martinez. In the hot seat this week, Lisa Dodson, Senior Community Outreach Specialist at Gift of Hope Organ and Tissue Donor Network. Lisa, hi. Hi. So <laughs> nice to be here, Ross. I Thank know. you. This is a conversation I've actually been wanting to have for a while. I haven't had the privilege to talk to anybody within the Organ Donor Network. I've had friends and family that have worked in hospitals, yes. have seen that. I have a friend now who works at OS. And he's like, ooh, you're Alan. Shout out to Alan. He's like, ooh, you're talking to them? Yeah. I'm like, ooh. So I was talking to today early in the dog park. And he's like, oh, let's actually like ask him questions. I'm like, I'm here to nerd out about everything. Yeah. <laughs> so we are currently in Awareness Month, right? That's right. Um, I guess let's chat about that for a few minutes. And then we'll talk a little bit about what Gift of Hope does, if mm-hmm. that's okay. But yeah, as I told you, what perfect timing to be invited here today. April is National Donate Life Month, which is the largest campaign of the year. It's an annual event or initiative every April. And it's really about the awareness, making people aware of the need for organ, eye, and tissue donation. Hmm. And through this, through the National Donate Life Month, Um, different organizations do different initiatives, right? And so with Gift of Hope, and I hope some of you can go, oh, yeah, I saw that. We have done an initiative called Light It Up Purple. Mm -hmm. Purple being our signature color at Gift of Hope. And in doing so, I'm going to give you a couple highlights of just the really cool things, the, the organizations, the businesses, even individuals that have agreed to get on the Purple Crusade. And so um, if you noticed, earlier in the month, the Murray Baker Bridge was mm-hmm. lit up purple. Very pretty. As for a- National Donate Life Month. Actually, I have to say it's one of my very, very favorite colors that the bridge does. So we are always very proud of that and grateful to the city of Peoria. I've worked with them on a couple different campaigns, but that for the last two, three years. And then also we have ambassadors throughout the community, communities. Mm -hmm. And these ambassadors are so passionate and they take on the lighted up purple and it's purple business, you know? (laughs) So like if you go, especially to the communities I'm gonna speak of, not only here in Peoria do we have a number of places lighting it up, but the city of Washington has really, really embraced this. You'll see there all the businesses on the square, there's some banners and so forth. In Chillicothe, we have a donor family that um, was able, they had an article done about their son that was a donor, as well as a lot of lighting up purple in not only individual homes like theirs, but again, businesses and so forth. Hmm. And then also in Pekin, we also get fire departments. I mean, there's a lot, it's so diverse. You know, I can't really tell you the extent, but keep an eye out for purple. (laughs) And the other thing that we do is we encourage individuals 
if you support donation and transplantation, and so many people have a connection to it, right? Take a purple light bulb, put it in your front porch or your yard light or even in your office and take a picture and use your social media outlets to hmm. promote awareness. And also speak to people about the meaning of the purple light. Yeah, what it, the nerd in me has always wanted to know why certain organizations gravitate to a color. So why purple? Well, again, it's one of our signature colors hmm. um, of the organization. And so we wanted to tie it to Gift of Hope, you know, in terms of promoting. Because tell me, I'll tell you a little bit about Gift of Hope mm -hmm. and, and why the purple color is so important because we want the public to know and trust who Gift of Hope Organ and Tissue Donor Network is. Because we are the people at the hospital when tragedy occurs. And so if people already have an awareness that I know who this organization is, and um, it helps to establish that rapport with the family when we go down the path of talking about donation because in that moment that's that you're saying goodbye to somebody and somebody's trying to hold on to something you are like reading my mind of what we need to really speak of today yeah. i will tell you that the most important decision that you can make if you want to make an informed decision about being an organ eye and tissue donor is to register those wishes. And once you register those wishes, they're legally binding. And what that means is a family that is experiencing a tragedy, a death of a loved one, does not have to make that decision for them. We can proceed knowing that that decision has been made. Mm -hmm. And um, families tell us you know, he was a caring or she was a giving individual. And we know that this is what she would or he would want to do. However, it's one less decision that they have to make. So we tell folks, if donation is something that you support, and obviously we hope you do, there's really no downside. And I'll talk a little bit today about some of the myths and misconceptions and mm -hmm. try to replace that with facts. Um, but truly, it's, I mean, there is no greater gift than life. And when you talk to recipients that have received an organ, the passion and the, the gratitude that they have because they have life because of donation. Without donors, there's no transplantation. Mm -hmm. And so I am currently addressing deceased donors. There's the opportunity to be a living donor for kidneys. Um, however, I'm, you know, when I speak of, I'm speaking to deceased donation. Mm -hmm. And living donation is, is such a great thing. Um, However, with living donation, it's limited. So kidneys 
Plan B. (laughs) There's a couple things you can't take if you're still living. (laughs) Right. So you, you know, you can live with one kidney. Mm -hmm. So someone can be a living donor to someone that needs a kidney, um, which, again, is a life-saving gift. And we know stories of people that are complete strangers and have given that gift. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's an emotional experience. Um, oh. Just the give and take aspect of it all. The duality of here's Abs- a recipient that's receiving something to help them progress forward, and you're closing a chapter also at the same time. It's yes. You were telling me off the mic that you were just recently lost somebody, correct? Yes. Um, I was going to share, you know, not only have I been in this field for 22 years, I've been blessed to be in this field. Mm. Obviously. You say that with a smile. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I feel blessed because it's such a great purpose. And just like being here today, um, for me, it's just a pleasure to speak about it. And part of that, I've always very much supported, been a donor myself. I went through the death and donation process with my husband six years ago. We had been married 31, together 36. We have two amazing human beings, my sons, our sons. And um, Dan had cancer at the time of his death. And I want to spend a minute on this because, again, there's some myths and misconceptions about having active cancer. Mm -hmm. It does rule you out for a... You know, for example, he wasn't a brain death, so he could not be an organ donor, and he also had active cancer. However, he could be a cornea donor. Oh, eyes. Eyes, yes. And so I tell people, first of all, two men in the state of Michigan received the gift of sight from my husband. And I have to say, what a wonderful view of the world because he embraced life. And I also think it's so important to reinforce, people oftentimes want to rule themselves out for registering to be a donor. I'm too old, I'm too sick, you know, the list goes on. However, I tell folks, if you want to register, that's your job. You register, and it's our job to medically evaluate at the time of death and to to determine which path, whether it be organ, eye, or tissue, that your loved one, or in the case of the tragedy occurring to yourself, the path that you will go down. Mm -hmm. And so in Dan's case, I have to tell you that I used to be a little bit neglectful of talking about cornea donation. Not anymore, because like anyone, I'm human, and when it happens to you, it really hits home. And what I found in the different things that I was involved with um, post his death, I found that if you think about it, and you think about all your senses, which one would be the hardest for you to give up? Oh. And for me, Hmm. it would be vision. 
And so I think, you know, for folks that are suffering vision loss, loss, that's the greatest gift that they can receive is to have their sight resumed, right? Mm -hmm. And I also try to spread the message that donation is donation is donation. So whether it's organ, eye, or tissue, meaning bones, skin, they're all equally important. Yes. Organ gives people life. Tissue and eye gives years. I mean, I'm sorry, organ gives years to life. When you think about eye and tissue, it gives life to years. Yeah. Because you're able to experience. Right, right. So, um, and, you know, my my two boys are also advocates, obviously, for donation and spreading awareness and so forth. So it's, you know, it's something that, again, we've been through that process. It's challenging. Do you still find it a little challenging, or is it more comforting knowing that you've been through, that it is successful, or is it still kind of um, a source by like, hmm, I've been through this. Now I'm seeing other people go through it constantly. I, I'm probably unique in the fact that my husband really set the tone How so? for handling his death. He was like, why not me? Hmm. Um, and he was a real trooper. I mean, he really showed us as a family that he was going to make the most of the the time that he had left on this earth. And so selfishly, I have to tell you, did I want, when I was 54 years old, did I want to lose my husband at any time? No, 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 no. However, I made peace with his death because I knew he wasn't going to get better. You know, and if I was in his shoes, um, I would want him to be understanding of that as well and to make Hmm. peace with the fact that none of us get a pass. And the most that we can hope for is exactly, you know, Dan, Dan was the whole package. And when we did his celebration of life, um, we did it the way that Dan would have liked to have it. So. No, I did not, you know, no one wants to, to lose a loved one. Of course He was not. my best friend. However, I choose to see the blessings that have happened in my life since then. You know, I can share some some emotion with that. When I lost my grandma in 09, it was from cancer. And I just remember, you know, she had dementia, Alzheimer's, diabetes, pancreatic cancer, all of them, all the heavy hitters. And I just was, was tough losing her, but as the years went on, I kind of understood the. She went out in her sleep. Oh, she yeah. had that blessing. That is a blessing. It is. That's um, what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> like, just take me so I don't have to go to work the next day. Um, so, Lisa, all the great things that you're doing. So, you've had firsthand experience from the organization. So, being also a member of it, but also within the the process of it can you speak a little bit more on that 
Sure. Um, so what's important to know is that when you die at the hospital, the hospital is required to report every death to our organization so we can evaluate whether or not the possibility, the potential of donation is there. And our organization, that's why I wanted to speak a little bit about what we do mm -hmm. at Gift of Hope, because there's so many different arms, just like I'm in community outreach. We have clinicians, we have people at the hospital, we have people that are um, coordinating uh, once donation has occurred, where is where's that going? So oh, multi-level. So yeah. it's just different facets you guys oh, kind of encapsulate. And even if it's a hospital death, which the majority are, although you can be a tissue donor and die in a motor vehicle accident, for example. Mm -hmm. To be an organ donor, you have to be on a ventilator. And you, we have to be able to keep those organs viable. Oh. So that's a different path, as I've talked about, right? But at the hospital, all 180-some hospitals in our service area, all of them have representatives from Gift of Hope that are assigned to those hospitals to not only do education with the staff, but also to support and lead the donation process hmm. when that occurs. And so that's really, when I speak about the awareness of who Gift of Hope is, they're there with the family. And so it's important that you know who we are. And our primary function is really coordinating that donation and transplantation process. However, we also have a strong arm in supporting the donor families mm. that, you know, our organization has worked with. And then the other arm to speak of in the big picture is what we do in the community. So I see my job when I think about my counterparts that work in the hospital, right? I think about me in the community is to bridge the community to clinical. So that, again, if, if we have more people registering, it's an easier conversation for the family and for our staff. Because the awareness of what right. actually goes on. Because right. I know there is misconceptions I have. I'm first-generation Mexicano. Uh, my family comes from overseas, and I remember early on in my life when, you know, oh, when you get in your license, are you going to check organ donor or not? A lot of them were like, no, because then they'll let you die so you get organ. I'm like, that's not how that works. There's a oh. Hippocratic Oath, I think it is called, or something. There's legality reasons behind it, but is that is that something you've also come across a lot of oh. people's misconceptions of that? That is one of the myths that I actually hope to address today. So <laughs> we are on you. the same path there. We are just rolling. <laughs> so, um, oh gosh, you know. I can't tell you how many ants have told me that. I know, I know. And I look at them like, that's not how this works. You know, all <laughs> I can tell you is that absolutely every 
option is exhausted to save a life before donation is even considered. Even considered. It's not even looked at the, at, at the blood or any of the organs. It's not even tested, is no. it? No. No. There is nothing done with that individual until death has been declared. And that's when they see if they are organ donor and all that? That's when the process starts um, in terms of evaluating. And so when that referral comes to Gift of Hope, we begin the process because here's the reality. I may want to be a donor very much, however, I may not be medically suitable. And so that's why it's so important to register and to also just expand the pool of the potential people that can become donors. Because if you think about it, for a brain death to occur and for an individual to be on a ventilator, that's a very rare occurrence. And that's the only way that organ donation and transplantation can occur. So when we talk about tissue, it's a bit different path. If you think about it with organ, if someone recovers my heart today, it's gonna go from me to another individual directly right and so it's so important not only are all the criteria met Mm -hmm. for that organ to be transplanted but also that um, we have to perform to timelines to distance of the potential recipient so there are so many balls if you will being juggled and being in so many things happen there's so oh, much chaos in the way yeah because it's amazing and it's you know the number of phone calls and so forth because even though I started to say earlier even though the death occurs in the hospital there are still all kinds of calls that have to be made possibly to the corner to the funeral home you know the list goes on it's not just us and the hospital like, working oh, with this they're a family. donor. Let's go. Cut them open. Like, that's not how that goes. Because no. that's how a lot of people I've come across think no. it goes. Like, they, I've had that conversation so many times where they're like, oh, as soon as you get checked in the hospital, they check to make sure you're an organ donor. No. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how that goes. No, when you <laughs> register, let's talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. When you register to be a donor, you can do that through the DMV when you go, as you mentioned, either to get your license or to get it renewed. You will be asked. So you say yes or no, right? That gets entered into a database. And that database is so sensitive to the information that makes you a unique individual. And that database is where we go to as the resource Mm. for knowing and for having a document produced that says, yes, Ross said yes, his wishes are legally binding, right? The other way you can register is you can do it on your phone. You can go to giftofhope.org. You can go to the Secretary of State. 
Um, oftentimes we say, of course, that we would like you to know more information about who we are and what we do and donation information in general to make your decision if you have not already. So go to giftofhope.org. Mm -hmm. um, you know, learn what you need to know. I mean, I'm not going to be able to address all of the myths <laughs> yeah. and misconceptions that are out there. And there are a lot. I mean, um, one of them is that you have to pay to be a donor. I've never heard that and one. That is not that is not correct. Once you are converted in the hospital over to the status of being a donor, that bill is on us. Hmm. Not the whole bill. All of what's involved. The procedure the and everything with process. donation. So there is no cost to the donor or the family for donation to happen. At the moment where the organization steps in to begin the process of transplantation, from that donation second, first. or donation first, Recovery. then yes. that that's when you step in. So at that point, whatever happened up until that moment, forward. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Because in my mind, the only real knowledge I have is having knowledge. It's the TV dramas, New Amsterdam, uh, where they have someone I, improperly running with the ice crate in front of them, forearm extended. They trip. There goes the liver. The dog eats it. Oh, and you're like, wait, what's going on? I watch some of those shows and I think, stop, stop. <laughs> you know, I watched one where, like, the donor was across the hall from the recipient and I'm like wait that's not how that goes there's just so many you know you just have to take it with a grain of salt I mean they're trying however do a fact check <laughs> you know? what's the last one I saw it was New Amsterdam where they had eight different recipients all living donating in a cycle to each other now there are um, there's kind of this chain reaction that can happen if you will. And there are actually cases documented that we've been involved with. That's pretty rare, mm -hmm. you know, that it it has the ripple effect so quickly. It's not to say it doesn't happen, but when you talk to people that have received the gift of life, organ, I'm speaking about organ recipients now, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's that gratitude, it's that passion, but sometimes there's guilt, you know, so? because someone had to die for them to be able to live. Oh, recipient guilt. Yes, yes. Recipients can sometimes experience guilt. Mm. Um, and our organization will work with donor families and recipients to make that connection should both sides want to do that. And that's a whole process in itself. Um, but I like to think of, of the ripple effect from the standpoint that when someone is a donor, the family has that legacy. It gives them a reason to speak of their loved one. It gives them reason to honor their loved one. And we help them do that through different ceremonies and so forth, right? Um, so I work with 
a lot of different donor families and recipients. But on the donor family side, just like myself, um, there was there was a purpose in Dan's death. Mm. He got to give the gift of sight to two men. And so oftentimes donor families tell us that that really helps them with their own grief, that their loved one had a purpose mm -hmm. beyond their life here on earth. And that's beautiful. It is. It truly is. I mean, it doesn't take away that hole in your heart, mm -mm. but I always like to think of it as anything that can help us cope with our grief is a good thing. I was having this conversation with a friend last night about this interview coming up, and I've always had this intrigue, and she asked me if I was. I said, yeah, I signed because I didn't think I didn't think of it. And I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, I'm dead. What am I going to do with it? I, then I get into the whole concept of maybe my purpose in this world was for this moment. And then I stopped her in her tracks because I'm like, you don't know what your real purpose is. What if this individual, child, adult, whatever, can go and do something amazing? And in that moment of emotional turmoil, you're able to grow something beautiful out of it. Yeah, I can tell you that so many of the recipients that I work with have done just that. You know, we talk sometimes about the power of one. One person can make a difference. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely true. And some of, some of these folks have taken on such a new focus in life that not only are they making other people's lives better, but they're making their life better. They may be on a path to be healthier. They may be on a path to help community service, you know, to help with community. They're on a path to help us with awareness. And you know, just like in telling you the story of my husband, there's where the real power lies is in the stories mm -hmm. of our donor families and of our recipients. You listen to these stories and I can give you all kinds of numbers. I can tell you that there are over 100,000 people waiting for an organ transplant. Here in Illinois, I think the number is like 4,200. It's over 4,000. I can give you all those numbers, and they're important, don't get me wrong. Hmm. Um, however, like anything in life, it's when your life has been impacted and you go on to share that story. And I am so fortunate because just like you and I talking, when I share what I do and the fact that I am a donor wife, I think it opens up people to share their stories. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some inherent, you know, grace and gratitude in knowing we all have dealt with something. None of us get by no, without, not at all. you know, whether it's tragedy, whether it's loss, you know. Um, Life hits us all yeah. in very different ways, vastly. Yeah. And, 
and the fact that I can connect with people and they can share with me and it it feels I hope as a safe space to do so mm -hmm. and people that enjoy telling their story or are comfortable maybe that's a better way to put it are comfortable like myself I'm comfortable telling my husband's story we encourage them this is National Donate Life Month, right? And so at the hospitals, we have flag raisings to honor donor families hmm. and recipients. Um, and all these community events, you know, that I've been telling you about. Well, a big part of all of this is whenever we have a, an event that lends itself to speakers, donor family, or and or a recipient. What's that? National Weather Service? Is no better. <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing that people are always in awe to hear those stories. Oh, yeah. You said how many, um, it's a National Weather Service. They're still broadcasting. We're good. <laughs> you know. We'll be fine. Um, I guess I'm getting a call too right now. Was that a tornado? Actually, let's pause for a second. Let's do. What is yeah. it? <laughs> we could all go down together. Okay. Um, let's wrap this up real quick. So I'm gonna have you back out so we can have a full conversation. How's that sound? Well, it's been great. Um, <laughs> I may leave all this chaos in it just so people understand the chaotic nature behind <laughs> recording. Um, are you good with the weather? Is, are you fine? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Me too. I'm... I mean, we can make our way down there, but we can wrap this up. I'd like to feel like we get yes. some closure, if you will. I'm so sorry about that. I had like so many other things I want to ask you how, about. How could we know? <laughs> the chaos of life. That's right. Um, you just never know. So let's do this. There was one question I definitely wanted to oh, ask please. you uh, before we wrap everything up. You said you were working with um, Gift of Hope Organ and Tissue Donor Network for how many years before your husband passed? I've been there for over nine years, but I've been in the field for 22. So 22 years up until the point of him. And you can stop me if it gets too much to talk about. No, that's... But then having that background within the organization, within all of this, helped bring a little bit more comfort to you as an individual, as Lisa? You know, um, it just, it solidified what I know to be true with our organization, and I think of anything, what I really, what I really want to reinforce is the care that we provide to donors during the recovery process. And fortunately, I was close enough, you know, um, in knowing and people within the organization made sure that Dan was able to be a donor from the fact that they were having a hard time getting a hold of me mm. and they were persistent in doing so. And so I just, I guess I can be a testimony of the care that we provide to any donor, whether it's organ, eye, or tissue. Hmm. And we work with the 
with a couple different eye banks that actually recover corneas. Um, that is not recovered by our team. But again, we're all part of the donation community. Hmm. So I can stand here and tell you, um, assure you that your loved one is cared for. All and right. that, that to me was... It's beautiful in itself, yeah. the support you need. Um, I hate to cut this short, but I think both our phones are blowing up at this point, and the weather's getting crazy. We're going to have to redo this again. All I right. Think so. Sounds good. So without further ado, thank you, Lisa Dodson of Senior Community Outreach Specialist of Gift of Hope, Oregon and Tissue Donor Network, for stopping in for another episode of the KZ Community Beats. Tornado Watch is going. we got to get out of here before, you know, Dorothy comes here. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.